great beat to just wake up in the morning and feel your way into a Tuesday. Yeah. The nice beat and... We've been feeling ourselves into a Tuesday over the last two hours as it's 8 o'clock right now as we enter into the third hour of the show. And we've talked a lot this morning about a trade in the NHL. Bo Horvat gets traded to the Islanders in case most people didn't know. We talked about the NFL. We talked about the Raptors and their loss yesterday against the Phoenix Suns and what that does for their rest of the week plans as they are the most watched team in the NBA based on are they going to trade guys? Are they going to trade for guys? Who knows? But yesterday, quiet day in the NHL. One game, Winnipeg beats the St. Louis Blues. St. Louis Blues lost five in a row. Are they a team that's going to be massive sellers at the NHL's Raptors. That's what the Blues are. NHL's Raptors. But the news that dominated the sports world yesterday was the NFL. Because if you search through Twitter, literally every four or five comments as you scroll down was somebody complaining about the NFL, its officiating, and whether or not the NFL is rigged. Now, I wouldn't go as far as to say the NFL is rigged. But when scenarios like what we saw on Sunday night play out and the referees have As big of an impact as they did in that game, as one-sided as it was, it makes you question. So, a couple things I want to get into. Mike Greenberg (laughs) has his own show on ESPN, and I think he perfectly explained the, the notion and the concern around the NFL. So let's listen to it. Both those same things are true. These games were definitely not rigged. They were badly officiated, and that is 100% true. And in particular, the AFC game, horribly officiated, and it felt, because it was, incredibly one-sided. That is 100% because of a bad job done by the officials, and 1,000% not because of bias, because if they wanted to determine the outcome, because the league did or the officials did or anybody else. They are human beings who did not have a good day at the office. But I will say... The fact that that is how people are reacting is a problem. If this doesn't make them address it, I don't know what will. Everything in sports has gotten better, and the officiating has gotten worse. Bang! Perfectly said. And he didn't just say the NFL, he said sports. Everything about the way we watch sports has gotten better. But the officiating in every sport continues to get worse. Why? Because... The calls and, and the decisions they make within a game are, are the ones we continue to criticize because they are the determining the outcome of the game. And it wasn't more evident than it was Sunday in, in Kansas City against Cincinnati where there was so many more favorable calls on, Cincinnati, on, on Kansas City. Yesterday, it was pointed out to me, and this has brought in more concern about the NFL being rigged because if the NFL does actually have a hand in deciding games with the officiating crews they choose this theory explains it perfectly where is the Super Bowl being held this year in Arizona what is the name of the stadium um I don't know State Farm Insurance Stadium. Okay. Guess who are the two faces in the latest commercial of State Farm Insurance? 
Is it Mahomes and Hertz? Mahomes and Andy Reid. Okay. Oh, God, come on. You can't be serious right now, are you? You have the two <laughs> spokesmen for State Farm Insurance playing in the State Farm Insurance Stadium. Okay. Dude, they, Does that they, not they, make you question? No. Why am I such an idiot? I don't think what so. Is the, what is the NFL known for? What, but what is Printing that, what money. Is, what is that? So you're saying that State Farm's not going to renew their lease with Arizona? No, but how much more money are they going to make based on ads and commercials knowing that State Farm is going to advertise Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid to play in the State Farm Insurance Stadium? Versus the Bengals and and Joe Burrow. What's so stupid about it? Connect the dots. I, well, I, I never say anything was stupid. I just think that's you know pretty pretty big reach here. Would be what again. I, what I this is what people it. are saying when it, they are connecting the dots to the NFL being rigged. I had and not when you heard have, that. And um, look, and when you have a <laughs> scenario where the refereeing in one game is so one sided and is so. Badly officiated, it makes people question, which is exactly what Mike Greenberg was trying yeah, to refer no, to. Well, what Mike Greenberg said, I think, was spot on. The whole State Farm conspiracy is a massive reach, in my estimation. That was a deal that was signed with Arizona years ago. I don't think they saw, oh, in three years, the officiating is going to rig this game in the AFC title game against Cincinnati. So Mahomes and Andy Reid are the faces. Like, there's just way too many things that would have to work. That just, that's just not, that's not accurate. But, what 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 Greenberg said, I think, is absolutely spot on. My question is, how do you fix it? What's the answer? More replay? How about, more replay? How about younger referees? Oh, I mean, let's not get into ageism here. I think experience goes a long way in, in making a good referee as well. But as far how about as video review, well, there they, there you go. I think that would be there's more more expanded what about, video. What review. about adopting the college football system where every Controversial plays reviewed by the replay booth. A sky and judge. All it yeah. takes is just a call down to the referee's mic and saying, "Go check that." That's all it takes. Well, I think the the question also is like, has officiating gotten worse, or is this just more of a a scrutiny, more of a focus on it due to the technologies that are available to us as well? Look, when you have as many people watch the NFL as you do, I mean. There was close to 50 million people that watched the no, game. No, you're right. But, but what I'm saying is that there's so many different angles and viewpoints and replays from that side of the field. And you could, you know, the 360 view and you can zoom in exactly. Yeah. The officials aren't privy to that same thing that we are sitting on our couches. That's what I mean. So for us to be like, oh, these, offici- these officials have never been worse. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think they're probably exactly what they were in 1980 or they 1990. They gave the Kansas City Chiefs an extra down no, I in agree, that I, game. I, I agree, but ultimately that didn't really have a factor. Then in they the, called. In the they looked for a penalty on the next play to call on Cincinnati yeah. when the ball wasn't even going to that player. I mean, yeah, I, I think that. Okay, I'm not disputing that the officiating wasn't bad. It was terrible. It was There's, terrible. That's a straight up fact. But to say the officials. I've gotten worse. I'm not sure is accurate either. I don't even know how you really judge that. Like, what what, what metrics do you use to determine if an official Look, is, is better? How many or officials worse? are on the field? Six. I think be even more than that. Okay, yeah. with six officials, that's what twelve eyes that are watching the yeah. game from field level, mm-hmm. plus all the eyes you're watching from above. I don't know what the what the math is on the people that are watching, but apparently in the in the in the playoffs, the NFL adopted this assistant referee official. With the camera that can call down. New rule that we didn't hear of. I just feel like, and I said this after the game on Sunday, fans 
and people that watch the game want to see the players and the teams dictate the outcome. When the referees are having a, a, a say, a spot, in di- an influence, an influence sure. on dictating see, the outcome. Here would be that my is problem: what ruins it is like, and, and I didn't. I, you're gonna want to. You want to want to review every single holding call. Like these games. No, would, I'm not talking about holding calls. I'm talking about like like plays that actually matter. Like you can go back to that NFC game, fourth down or the fourth down play that Eagles converted earlier in the game. The Devontae Smith Devontae drop. Smith that was drop. Kyle Shanahan's fault. That wasn't replay's fault. No, apparently a, the the replay assistant upstairs that they implemented in the playoffs can call down to the referees. They can, to, but to that was a, that was a play that should have been reviewed by Shanahan and his staff. Those guys screwed that one up more so than anybody else. Well, you're right. There's, but regardless, of I I, I don't. I just like really don't buy the premise that you're pushing. To be honest, and. Yeah, I mean, they, maybe the, the referees did a terrible job, and I think there's a lot of variance in that from year to year. We saw the LeBron Jason Tatum play at the end of regulation, a missed call. They happen because these guys are human. They are not privy to every single angle that we are to our couch. And was the refereeing atrocious in the AFC title okay. game? Yes, there was. But two... I also don't think that if you implement this review system that you're talking about, or however, I mean, I don't think that's that's a, that's a benefit to the viewer or to the players, or to literally anybody. You might get more calls correct, but you're also slowing down the game and making the product worse by virtue well, of doing that as well. it doesn't necessarily have to be slowed down if it's a quick call from up top that can look at the replay once or twice and determine the, the, the play. Well, I mean, I, so would you have overturned the unnecessary roughness call on Mahomes? Me, personally? Yeah. If I'm the referee there, I don't call that. Oh, okay, but that, that call, that's getting called virtually everybody. Gene Steratore said that in the booth. Well, that was, that yeah, was the, because that was you're, you're looking at the play, and he got pushed when his foot was out of bounds. But clearly that was an embellishment on Mahomes' part. And like when we talked to Mark Dominic yesterday, the fact that it was on the Cincinnati sideline, he was even surprised that the referee threw it as convincingly as he did. It wasn't convincing. It was, late. It was after the play was already if, done. If Mahomes is running out of bounds and a guy takes a run at him to, to force contact, okay, I can understand it guy was pushed from a guy that was chasing him from behind. I just, what I would say is that... And, and the referee have, knew in that moment, the referee knew in that moment, him making that call would have been the difference in that game. Yeah, well I think it was the right call. It was just a stupid play from Joseph Osai and it was pretty obvious. But you as also could go back down. you could go back to the line of scrimmage and say there was two holding calls well, so on see, the There you go, but you just said you don't want to review holds. No, so what, but, what do you want to okay, do? But, and that's, also, that's not also, even a also, also that's, hold on. That's just, that's just going back to, to you, you assessing the holds. Joe Thomas, who played a long time in the NFL, was tweeting yesterday how those weren't holds, in his opinion. They called one on the Cincinnati Bengals early on in the game. That was the exact same play. Okay, but I'm just telling you the plays that you're referencing, Joe Thomas said those weren't holds. Okay, so, then what's holding then? I don't know what holding is. I mean, Joe Regardless, Thomas if we see knows what he's talking about. Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid in State Farm insurance mm-hmm. commercials during the Super Bowl... There's rigged. there's more people that are going to say this was rigged for the Kansas City Chiefs <laughs> to be in the Super Bowl. I think there's, only one, I think there's only one person. That I'm says not that. saying this. I'm telling you, go on Twitter. You'll see. I don't want to go on Twitter and see the morons that are saying that because those imbeciles. Uh, you don't have to see it. <laughs> I have no interest the in hashtag not listening that's to. The trending is NFL is rigged. Well, yes, and that would be because the referees, <laughs> not because of the State Farm commercials. Oh, boy. Okay, we'll talk to Bruce Murray at 8.30 from Sirius XM NFL Radio. I do not think we'll ask him about the correlation between State Farm commercials and the Super Bowl, but you never know what could come up in conversation with him. We will get into the Raptors game on the other side. Big loss for them last night in Phoenix. 
and a lot of buzz surrounding what they could do at the trade deadline. Just five games remaining. Ananobi injured, but does that mean he's off the table? We'll get into it next. Five games to go before the deadline for the Raptors. They lose last night to the Phoenix Suns 114-106, a game you heard right here on TSN 1050. And feels like every night is a referendum on the future of the Toronto Raptors, whether they win or lose. They win. Oh, maybe this core, they can put it together. And if they lose, it's blow it up. Gary Trent, Van Vliet, OG Ananobi out the door. Wouldn't you, like, don't, isn't, that, isn't that what you want to see the Raptors do? You want to see the Raptors start accumulating assets because since they won the championship, they haven't done any accumulating of any assets. Yeah, I want to see one asset in particular, <laughs> Victor Wembanyama. Well, yeah, but if you don't like, I want them to go full Oklahoma City. Oh no, 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 you don't. You don't want that. Well, accumulate all those first round picks that they have. Well, Why not? O- Oklahoma City has like a twenty eight first round picks or something I've seen. <laughs> But you don't want them to be completely bottoming out and have no, no not, hope. Not because they have good pieces. They got Siakam, they got Barnes, they I'm got Ananobi. I'm not saying they should trade everybody, but what I'm saying is that they should trade the pieces that actually have value and start reshifting their their focus or their, their game plan for totally next fair. year. Totally fair. And what I, I, what I, I would sa- also say is... I've been is, saying this for a month, AK. Remember, I said this for a month. I think the Raptors have maxed out with this group. I think they would probably agree with that, too. It's hard. It's, it's an really easy hard assessment. to speak. They need that internal development, Scotty Barnes, to take the next step, and maybe that requires shipping some guys out to give Scotty Barnes more opportunity. We'll get into that with Aaron Rose from Sports Illustrated in about twenty minutes' time. But did you see that clip yesterday from Anthony Edwards of the Minnesota Timberwolves about the stuff that he was eating? About the stuff. So he had, he did a feature in GQ where it detailed his life, what he does off the floor, you know, and. He was talking about his love of hot Cheetos. Like, Anthony Edwards is one of the best athletes on the planet. Athletically, ability to jump and move. Very few people on this globe can rival it. Here is Anthony Edwards talking about how much, how many, I suppose, bags of hot Cheetos he consumes. I've been eating them since I was probably like five years old. <laughs> I prefer these over any chips in the world. I probably eat like three a day. You what? do math. <laughs> Was that 21 bags? Yeah, I eat that many. Probably more though, for real. <laughs> Depending on how long my day is. This guy, so are these, are, these are the mini bags I like take, a right? A decent size bag. Or are they the regular size No, bag? he's not like crushing like a big bag No, no, of those chips. are the big bags. Yeah, yeah. Like but a, the regular size I think a regular bag. size bag. And then yeah. there's the mini bags Correct. that they get for Halloween. Yes. I think it's like a regular, like a, mi- a Three of those size. bags a day? Yeah, 21 a week. I mean, this, this guy's guy, a professional athlete. Sometimes, and I'm sure you've seen it in your career, probably more so when you were younger, or guys who come into the league, they don't know how to take care of themselves, right? You have the John Tavares types, right, who... You read stuff about Tavares, and you know him personally. He's not putting anything terrible in his body, especially no. three bags of hot Cheetos a day. You're right. <laughs> and Anthony Edwards is, what, 22 years old? He'll learn as he progresses. Like LeBron James, for instance, spends more than a million dollars a year taking care of his body. As he should. That's from, and it's paid off for him in space. Yeah. I mean, the guy's in his 20th season is playing as, almost as well as he ever has. So... You have that on one side of the spectrum, and then you have Anthony Edwards, who is just crushing chips, or I guess Cheetos, day after day, night after is night. Is this guy just trying to get a Cheetos sponsorship? <laughs> I don't think he needs any. I don't think he needs any more money. He's an awesome like, young player, but the way I've wild. always tried to explain to young and up and coming athletes is the importance of nutrition. 
is very similar to the type of car that you drive. If you drive a very expensive car, you have to put the very expensive gas into it. If you drive a cheap car and you put bad gas into it, what's going to happen to the car? It's going to break down. Is that true? I feel like all gas is the same at gas stations. Well, that's my conspiracy theory. Okay. <laughs> that's that fair. is mine. That's fair. You have yours with State Farm and Andy Reid. I don't have I, a conspiracy oh. theory. Well, you're just arguing in favor of it during no, the commercial break, so I don't know. I was so, explaining to you what people are talking about on social okay. media about well, the NFL. I didn't make up this conspiracy theory. If, if we referenced everything that people talk about social media, DeMar Hamlin is dead and he has a clone. Well, that was just so, nonsense. Well, I mean, I think it's just as... as logical it's as not, the State though, Farm you're, you're Andy referencing, con- conspiracy. You're referencing the NFL being rigged because of the way the officials officiate the game, mm-hmm. and you're basically saying that the, if the NFL wanted it their way, they would rather have Mahomes in the Super Bowl because they can sell more ad dollars in the Super Bowl with him being the face of State Farm. I'm quite certain State Farm building. that every ad dollar has already been sold long before the Super Bowl matchup is set. Let's be honest. A Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs is probably going to get more ratings than Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. Mm, Maybe a little bit, but the Super Bowl is one of those events that regardless of who is in it, you're watching. I don't think it matters. For the average sports fan, yes. Yeah, I would even think for the above average sports fan, yes. But there's some people where... The star sells the show. Burrow's a pretty big star. Maybe not quite Mahomes level, That's but... What I mean. And again, I'm not making this up. I'm not the one You're saying... You're defending it for someone who doesn't believe well, it. Well, I'm just putting the pieces, pieces mm. of the puzzle together. <laughs> You're like, oh, it's not my idea, but... Let's go back to this on. nutrition thing. Sure. Going back to the gas thing. You said you believe all gas are the same. Yeah. And that so you could go, be right. So you go to a gas station, who's to tell the difference? Regular, oh, yeah, premium, premium. Yeah, this is premium. It's all price thing for yeah. me. Yeah, who knows? But there's a difference between gas and diesel, right? That's true, for sure. What if you accidentally put diesel into your gas car? That would be a big mistake. So it's the same thing about athletes and the stuff that they eat. If you're, And this is, this is why you got to credit LeBron for LeBron being... The specimen that he is, other than the fact that he's got severe soreness in his foot and can't play. <laughs> he does. Um, which is outrageous. Soreness. And now you're talking about an athlete putting bad stuff in his body. That Three bags be, of that hot Cheetos. That should be treated as his fuel tank. Because the food is the fuel that, that, that operates your body as it finely tuned athlete so it's pretty outrageous the fact that this guy's admitting that he eats this type of junk food and you're supposed to appreciate for being you know a high performance athlete it's it's a crazy story three right. bags of hot cheetos and by the way hot cheetos like this they're not even out, that good this guy not, like how often does he run to the bathroom like well, what's his tolerance for hot hot stuff? cheetos i enjoy a hot cheeto but not not even, three bags not of even it. <laughs> no not even my I top love five Frank's red hot sauce yeah, i don't that is put good. it on everything that, that is, i eat throughout the day i put good. it on everything yeah so you know what? We should cheese. Why don't you uh, can head over to the cafeteria and grab some big breakfast for the boys. You can grab my credit card <laughs> in the commercial break. We'll be back on the other side with Bruce Murray from Sirius XM, NFL Radio, huge Islanders fan as well. We'll get his thoughts on the Horvat trade and Aaron Rose from Sports Illustrated on another Raptors loss and its implications for the team's future. First up. 
continues. Hour number three, next. On TSN 1050, embrace the odds. I won't win it. So the Super Bowl next Sunday, not this Sunday, next Sunday in Arizona, February the 12th. And also next weekend in Arizona is the Waste Management Open. And we want you to be our unofficial correspondent in Arizona for that. We've got our Waste Management Keyword of the Day coming up here on First Up. And then there will be a queue to call on Overdrive for between 4 and 7 you call in and give the correct keyword, which we'll give out in the next 45 minutes, then could be heading down to Zona. Waste management and maybe peak peak a Better to get out of here. We're supposed to hit, what, minus 20 on the weekend? Yeah, it's minus 20 on Friday. It will be very unpleasant here in Toronto. and be a nice getaway trip. It would be very nice. You know, the snowbirds, they've got it right. My parents, they know what they're doing. Yeah. Hey, they do. November, well, they're retired. November, down to Florida. Well, we'll see you in April, Aaron. I'm like, okay, bye, guys. I'll be stuck here in Just Toronto. abandoning you, yeah, too. It's uh, very, very painful. Let's welcome in one of our favorite guests from Sirius XM NFL Radio, Bruce Murray on the line. Good morning, Bruce. How you feeling? Uh, actually, a little under the weather. Thanks oh, for asking. No that way. Your typical January cold. Thank you, though. Um, it's very nice of you to ask. Well, did the trade of Bo Horvat from Vancouver to the island boost your spirits a little bit? We know it's, you're a huge Islanders fan. Uh, I was very excited last night, and I'm talking to hockey guys, so now I need your analysis because, look, the Islanders are not a team that normally trades for guys that are going to cost money. And I know he's in the last year of a deal. I know he can score, and I hope it's not for a 2023 run because they're good, but I don't know if one person's putting them over the top. I'm not even in the playoffs right now. So you, I want your analysis on the deal. Well, Bruce, I'll give you my analysis. This is Lou Lamorello taking one last crack at improving the roster because you look at the, the players that he's tried to dial in on the last two off seasons. I mean, he's tried to bring in Nazem Kadri. He's trying to bring in Johnny Goudreau. He's had a hard time trading any of the players on his roster. This is a chance for him to stay away from competing against other teams, identifying that a player that he wants to hopefully help improve this offense, make a trade for him, lock him up, and if that's the case, you got Barzell and Horvat to build around your center ice. Is he out of work if they don't make the playoffs this year? I think so. Okay, I, I think so. Which is remarkable because Lou I mean, Lamorello he fired the best coach in yeah. hockey, and too. Lou Lamorello is one of the most decorated general managers in the history of the sport. Right. And we saw him here in Toronto. Say what you will about the job that he did. And but he clearly doesn't value first-round picks. I mean, look at all the ones he's traded away. Yeah, yeah, I know. Right? Fascinating. Fascinating. Listen, I agree with everything you said. He's the, one of the most decorated ever. But, you know, this team has kind of floundered. And I know he fired, you know, one of the greatest coaches ever. But even Islanders fans were getting frustrated with them kind of like reaching a ceiling with the way they played hockey. And when, when the season started and they were shooting more and scoring more, everybody was excited. And now they've kind of reverted to a team that just can't stop others from getting the puck in the net too much. So I think, I'm, I'm hoping. It was exciting. It's rare that this happens on the island. Right. It's very rare. So be excited when it does happen. To be honest with you, I mean, did you really give up much in the deal? Bavillier's been a very big disappointment. We don't yeah, know. We he, don't know what Ratu's going to be. Nineteen and twenty, we loved him, and then he kind of, you know, also got to his ceiling. So, right. No, I don't. You know, other than a conditional first round pick, no, not, yeah. not a big, not, not a big loss. And the thing you got to thank Lou for. Remember when John Tavares left? Everybody was saying that this organization was going to be in shambles. 
they made the playoffs the next Won year. Won multiple playoff series. <laughs> you know, so um, there's good things that he's done and there's bad things that he's done. But ultimately, if you're an Islander fan like yourself, Bruce, you're probably waking up with a lot more excitement yes, this morning. I think that is fair to say. And I imagine San Francisco 49ers fans are waking up today still a little bit heartbroken with, what, with how it went down on Sunday against the Eagles. And now the news that Brock Purdy has a torn UCL, might need Tommy John surgery, will miss up to six months. But it has opened the door, Bruce, to the conversation about Tom Brady. And I don't think it's nearly as far-fetched as it was even 24 hours ago because Purdy, while he is expected to be ready for OTAs, that's a big question mark coming off a significant injury like that. Do you think it has become increasingly likely that Brady is a niner? Uh, You know, I I hear the conversation. I've heard it being discussed elsewhere. I'm still... A little skeptical about that. I mean, you know, I understand the history, where he's from, the fact that he'd want to go back there, the fact that this team is built to win a championship if they were to put him in the middle of it. But listen, we ignore the fact that they went to a championship game a year ago with Jimmy Garoppolo and were willing to move off for a guy that they traded up to number three to get in Trey Lance. Got hurt in the second game of the season. He's going to be back healthy. I understand the Brock Purdy UCLA, UCL injury. But hasn't this team proven that they can exceed anybody's expectations with Kyle Shannon and a quarterback that's just competent? I don't know if they want to go out and spend $40 million on, on Tom Brady right now. I'm not saying it's impossible, and until it dies that, and first of all, let's add this to the equation. We don't know, we're not 100% sure that Tom Brady is still playing football next year. Mm-hmm. He hasn't said anything about it yet. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, listen, it's a great conversation. It gives us fodder to discussion uh, until something does happen. I'm going to say it's a very small possibility that that's the way it works out. Well, and I, I'll probably be proven wrong in a couple well, of months. I, I, I was thinking about the Purdy story and how amazing a run it was. The last pick in the draft and becomes the starting quarterback for the Niners, takes them to the NFC title game, and then gets hurt early on. And the fact that he came back into that game with a literally blown-out elbow. Like pitchers, he didn't try to throw it, though. Well, he threw he a couple, ha- couple was, screen passes. He was handing it screen, off. A couple screen passes, which was impressive. And then I think about the possibility that he may never get this opportunity again. Like, well, no. maybe they do get Brady. Maybe it is Trey Lance next year, and Brock Purdy is never able to get it back the way that he had. I mean, that's a story that... We may look back on Bruce as like a real tragedy in NFL history. You know, it's, it is rather extraordinary in, in, in two parts. The first part being what he accomplished, how he walked into that team and, and, and became the starting quarterback and won every game that he played and, you know, didn't look like a rookie, didn't look like the game was over his head at any level. It is amazing. And now he does have to deal with a very big rehab to come back. Now, look, if Tom Brady sets it back a year, then we'll reevaluate this conversation. But, uh, you know, I've talked to doctors, and, and I'm sure you know this. The, the UCL injury in baseball is far more significant because of the torque that you put on your arm. He can come back. He can be ready for training camp, or at least part of training camp. I think he can compete for that job. And if he's as good as he appeared to be, he's going to win a quarterback competition, if not with San Francisco, with somebody else down the road. Now, if it ends here... If this injury sidelines him and makes him a backup quarterback for the better part of his career, there's no question. It's a tragic event. And, you know, I hate to say it, tragic events do happen in the world of sports, but it was a remarkable rise and then a remarkable fall to earth, which leaves him in this very uncertain area. And there's no doubt 
that he's going to be looking back at that moment, that one time Hassan Reddick got his arm on him, yep. and say, did this really end what could have been a bright mm-hmm. career? Because we all thought, win or lose this weekend, we all thought he's probably the leader in the clubhouse when they go to training camp next year. You know what came to mind for me when understanding and reading the news about Purdy was kind of like Jeremy Lin. Remember the incredible run he had Lin with the Knicks? Sanity. Lin sure. Sanity couldn't miss, was torching Kobe Bryant. What about Nick Foles? I mean, Nick Foles, yeah, in that Super Bowl run in 2017. This guy went the on to lead the Eagles to the Super Bowl and, and replaced... No, no, but, but Nick Foles didn't come from like literally nowhere. He like, came from Jeremy, literally nowhere. <laughs> no, well, Jeremy Lin and Brock Purdy, neither, no, no one had ever heard okay, of either of those guys. He played at an MVP level that literally won a Super Bowl for the Eagles, and he's been been nothing close yeah, yeah, ever no. since. There's right. no doubt about that. With, 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 one, with one difference to the conclusion of this story, those guys proved that, and Jeremy Lin did go on to have some decent years after he emerged from the Knicks guy, but uh, you know, Nick Foles obviously bounced around and, and became a backup, but both guys, both guys proved they weren't worthy of that moment from their actual talent. We don't know about Brock Purdy. Uh, I, I truly believe that if, if they had won or lost and he became the starting quarterback, we would have found out that much like Jimmy Garoppolo, there's a ceiling to him. He doesn't have the greatest physical skills. Uh, and we may have learned that that wasn't the answer to their future. But we may not get to learn that now with this injury. Bruce Murray is our guest from Sirius XM NFL Radio. The L.A. Chargers, a new offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore, formerly of the Dallas Cowboys. It'll be Mike McCarthy, the head coach for Dallas, taking over play-calling duties there. And... Chargers get a good one, and Kellen Moore, a young up-and-coming coordinator who has opera has called plays for one of the best offenses in the NFL for the last couple of years. What do you make of the fit for Moore in LA, Bruce? All right, so put me in the in the again the skeptical category because look, I, I understand that Kellen Moore was the young, up-and-coming, exciting offensive coordinator, but I think he got a lot more attention than he deserved because of the way things worked out in Dallas. And Let's talk about how that went down. Mike McCarthy was a play caller in Green Bay. I had a chance to go out and visit with him every year at Green Bay Packers training camp. There was one year he gave up play calling, and he almost broke out in hives. Mike McCarthy likes to call plays. He went to Dallas, but part of that hiring agreement was that, we'll bring you in, but we got this guy that we love, Kellen Moore, and we want him to call plays, so you're not going to do that. So Mike McCarthy took the job, went in there, and reluctantly gave up that responsibility because Jerry Jones was in love with Kellen Moore. It didn't work out. And now Mike McCarthy says, if I'm going to go down, I want to go down with my instincts, with the way I like to call plays. And we have this mutual parting of ways. And, of course, he's not out of work long. He goes to Los Angeles. He's had one of the better quarterbacks in this league. The offense has been limited in certain ways. And we saw Dak Prescott regress this year in terms of his decision-making. I don't know what they're getting out in Los Angeles. You know, I think he can be a good play caller. I think there's fabulous talent out there. But there's a lot at stake bringing him in to now be that next guy to get Justin Herbert to a new level. And I'm also going to say this. Look, Brandon Staley, he's, he's responsible for a defense, which is what his strength was coming from Los Angeles as, as a member of the Rams. That hasn't worked out. His decision-making when it comes to building that staff hasn't been great. I, I'm, I'm going to say let me sit back and see how this one works out in Los Angeles. Bruce, how do you think this works out in Kansas City when you saw Patrick Mahomes play superhuman? You saw the the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, send out their report right before pregame that Travis Kelsey had back spasms and back issues and I don't know if it was gamesmanship that they were playing trying to make them feel like they were vulnerable, but 
they clearly showed why they're the cream of the crop in the NFL. Yeah, listen, I don't believe that was just gamesmanship. I do genuinely believe that Travis Kelsey was having back spasms. And, you know, if, if you've had them, you know how painful they can be. And it's remarkable that they got him out there. Look, we knew Patrick Mahomes was going to play. We knew that there'd be some limitations. And we saw it, by the way. He played most of that first half from the pocket. And with rare exception, until we got to that final play of the football game before the field goal, uh, we saw him struggle to run the football. I, I don't think that's gamesmanship. I, I think that was genuinely what they were dealing with. But I don't think the Bengals were expecting anything less than what they got on the football field. And, look, Patrick Mahomes is arguably the best. He's going to be the MVP. He's arguably the best quarterback in the football for a reason. Travis, Travis Kelsey is arguably the best tight end of all time for a reason. I, I, no, nothing of what we saw surprised me on Sunday I think it benefits them to get these two weeks off, to get both those guys even closer to being healthy for when they play the Philadelphia Eagles. But, look, I, I don't want to compare this to Willis Reed running on the court or one of those. They battled through some injuries and you know, ultimately played to the level that we expected of them. The best part about Travis, Travis Kelsey is he calls out people for being jabronis. Love it. Yeah, the Cincinnati mayor. <laughs> Has that guy resigned yet? I don't know. I don't know Cincinnati politics too well. I try to steer clear of that. Very divisive, Bruce. Very uh, divisive. See, see I, 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 wasn't, uh, wasn't Jerry Springer the mayor of Cincinnati? Yeah, upon a time? I believe so. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're not a jabroni, Bruce. No, you're the man. We hope yes. you feel better. We Listen, do appreciate you doing this for us today. Let, let me just say this, and, and this may not have been my best because I am under the weather, but I think I've been with you guys enough now that I deserve an invite to the holiday party. Oh, I'm just saying. Consider Let's it done. do it. Consider it yes. done. I'm up in Toronto. When do, you, do we do this in, in December? Uh, well, I have to wait a whole year? I mean, I don't know. We can make it work whenever you're in town. So you just let That'd us know, nice. and we'll, uh, we'll do it up. Carlo, How come you guys aren't going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's that's a good question. Bills are out. Yeah, well, we I don't, I don't, I don't think it would. Right. I don't think it would have mattered anyways. <laughs> that's not how we operate here. At we'll TSM give you our boss's number. You yeah. can take that up with him. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. It. I'm sure he'll be very receptive to that idea. Thank you, Bruce. See you guys. See you, All right. that's, our, that's our man, Bruce Murray, Sirius XM NFL Radio. Not sold on Brady to the, to the Niners. That's going to be a big story. How about Rogers to the Niners? No, that's not happening. Hmm. Rodgers, because they have to give up assets. Yeah, they gave up. There's three, not enough money. They gave up three first round picks for Trey Lance. You think they're going to give up more first round picks for Aaron Rodgers? Tom Brady, they can get for free. That is true. That is true. Just He's money. A free agent. Just money. And you know what? There's 20 more million dollars in the salary cap nowadays. Lots of trades coming down in the NBA. Maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow. But definitely before the deadline. What will the Toronto Raptors do? And how? Does OG Ananobi's wrist injury affect their plans? We'll ask Aaron Rose from Sports Illustrated next. It was the Raps and the Suns last night in Phoenix. Toronto falling 114 to 106. A game you heard right here on TSN 1050. Aaron Korolnik, Carlo Koliakovo with you. We'll get to Aaron Rose from Sports Illustrated. In just a moment, Coco, but we did see that shot of James Jones, the general manager of the Suns, and Masai Ujiri, the top dog for the Toronto Raptors, walking to the back of the arena, maybe to discuss a trade, maybe to discuss what they were going to have for dinner after the game. <laughs> Who really knows? Who really knows? But anytime you see those conversations, there's definitely some aspect of trade negotiation, the latest on the front for the Raptors, who are the most interesting team in the NBA. I don't think there's any doubt because they have the most alluring assets of any team in the NBA. And on that note, let's welcome him in, our good friend who covers the Raptors for SI, 
It's Aaron Rose back here on First Up. Aaron, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? Fantastic. Thank you. The Raptors losing. So, of course, the conversation again in the city. All right. What type of trade are they going to make? And I wonder how the OG Ananobi news from yesterday complicates things for the Raptors. He will not play again on this road trip with that wrist injury. An MRI coming back clearly wasn't so good. Do you think this Ananobi injury might eliminate the possibility that he's moved before the deadline, Aaron? I don't think it will eliminate it. But the truth is, I too don't know the extent of the injury because the Raptors aren't always the most revealing about those things. If it's really bad, then the chances are probably eliminated. But if this is something that's just going to be a, maybe a couple weeks, maybe it does keep him out for the first, let's say, two games after the trade deadline, then there's you know, still a chance that a team is going to want a player of OG's caliber. And what I think is, makes him such an attractive trade candidate for any team is the fact that he's not some complicated player, that he's a really good defensive player, that you slide him into the starting rotation for just about every championship team. He's like the three or the four out there. He stands in the corner and shoots threes and takes on the best defensive matchup night after night. So I think because it's not so complicated uh, a, a switch onto your team, OG is really, really attractive. But you're right, figuring out that wrist injury is going to be a little bit... Uh, it could complicate things. If OG is potentially the most valuable asset on the deadline, the most intriguing for other teams, I think you could probably make a compelling argument that Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent could be number two and three, depending on how you rank them and what situation you put them in. Does that mean to you that any notion of a potential trade for the Raptors will go down perhaps on the deadline day only because the Raptors kind of control all the chips because their assets that could potentially be in play are more valuable than anyone else's? Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I guess I would just say uh, I'm curious to know what Chicago does. Um, obviously, DeMar DeRozan, maybe Zach Levine, some of those guys, Vucevic, they could be moved. They're another team that's in a similar spot to the Raptors, but you're right. It sounds like like the Raptors have the sixth worst record in the NBA right now. Like I don't know what's going on with this organization that they think that if they win a couple games here, and they have two in a row, I think, against Utah and Houston, if they win those two games, I feel like I'm about to go on a rant. If they win those two it. games, are they, are they going to suddenly think, oh my God, we're a playoff team? So that seems a little silly to me. So maybe they're just waiting for the trade deadline and sort of building up pressure. But to me, if you're a GM, it sort of makes a little bit of sense to say, oh, what are we going to do? Are we going in? Are we not going in? You guys all have to wait for us to make a decision. We hold all the cards. So I think that's what I would be doing if I was Masai. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and say, oh, well, they're playing coy with the league because they want to hold the cards. But at the same time, you can't look at this team through whatever it is, 52 games, and say they have a sixth worst record in the league. Maybe they should be buyers at the trade deadline. Hmm. That doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Yeah, it doesn't. And especially after the loss yesterday to the Phoenix Suns, where if they win that game and then you look at the next four games, Utah, Houston, Memphis, San Antonio, you're probably looking at three out of the four winnable games. Maybe you can put yourself in a better position. But with that loss yesterday, do you believe that's enough for this team in the middle of the road trip to have a better understanding of what their direction should be? Yeah, like, like to me, again, it doesn't make a ton of sense. And I was looking at the schedule coming up, and they, they have what you just said, and they have, like, Orlando, and they have San Antonio, I think, again, at home. So they have a really, really easy schedule. But to me, if you're beating some of the worst teams in the league, it doesn't necessarily mean you should be a playoff team, right? Those aren't the teams you're playing in the playoffs. 
So just because you're collecting wins over the worst teams in the league doesn't tell me a bunch. you got to beat the good teams in the league because that's who you're going to play in the playoffs. And the Raptors have shown no ability to do this that regularly this season. So um, Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster have been on this road trip. As I think people saw on social media last night, Masai was seen mm. walking with uh, Suns GM uh, James Jones, I think is his name. Yep. And, and you know, it makes sense for these guys to be watching this team night after night to probably be having those conversations with teams like Phoenix, with teams like Memphis later on. So uh, at this point, you know, as I said, I think I'm ready to make – it doesn't need to be a blow-up move, but I think I'm ready to sort of make at least one move um, if I'm running this team. Our guest is Aaron Rose, who covers the Toronto Raptors for Sports Illustrated. One thing that I encourage people who follow the Raptors and follow NBA insider types to note is who represents whom and who could have relationships with whom. And that's where I want to go with my next question, Aaron, because you saw Shams Sharania – from The Athletic, represented by Clutch Sports. Send out this report yesterday about Nick Nurse, who has one year left on his deal, how there have been rumblings about this, rumblings about that. Nick Nurse, also represented by Clutch Sports, so you can connect the dots here. How concerned do you think Raptors fans should be about the future of Nick Nurse as their head coach? Well, I'll just jump in and say you, you can basically call them the Toronto Clutch Sports. Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> the, the entire organization at this point is represented by Clutch. Um, but I think, I think as, as Shams was saying, there's probably some frustration. Um, you know, there was another report that came out yesterday from Chris Haynes saying that, you know, at, at least a few people, or I can't remember the words, but, but he said a few players are unhappy in Toronto. And I sort of took that and said, if this team had the sixth worst record in the league and everyone was like, we're thrilled, we're so happy right now, <laughs> you would be concerned. Yeah. So I'm not entirely concerned that players are unhappy. I kind of want them to be unhappy because you have the sixth worst record in the league. So I think any time that a team is not living up to expectations, fingers are going to be pointed. And I don't think Nick deserves a ton of the blame. I think the roster makeup hasn't been very good, and that's on the front office. And I think there are some players who have regressed, although some of those guys like Gary and Fred have come back, um, certainly playing really well lately. But I don't think Nick deserves a ton of the blame, but he does deserve some. And I think that's sort of what we were hearing was, uh, you know, Nick is under a little bit of pressure, as, as should make sense. And he has, I guess, a year left on his contract, and the Raptors are going to have to make a decision on that. It's kind of weird when you have a coach go into a lame duck last season on his, con- or last season on his contract. So uh, either they should get an extension done this summer, and I'm sure Clutch wants that done, um, or they got to make a decision. I imagine he'll be the coach next year. Um, it would be pretty shocking to me if he's not. Yeah, and listen, the Raptors have unlimited money. Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, they can do whatever they want. There's no salary cap with a coach. We already saw it with Masai Ujiri. If they want to bring Nick Nurse back, they will, but maybe they don't. And I don't know what's going on internally with that organization right now. There have been some reports about you know, stuff where Nick Nurse hasn't been getting along with certain players, certain coaches, so we'll see how things materialize uh, on that front. And it'll be pretty interesting with the Toronto Raptors going forward here. The trade deadline, not far away, just five games remaining for the Raptors before the deadline. They take on Utah tomorrow night in Utah. So they've got a couple games left before the end of that seven-game trip. Aaron, you're one of the best in the business. We really appreciate you doing this for us this morning. For sure. Happy to do it. Uh, always our pleasure. That is Aaron Rose, who covers the Raptors for Sports Illustrated. Yeah, I mean, 
Dean from Etobicoke writing in, is the OG wrist injury just a way for the Raptors to load management, load manage him and protect, protect their trade asset approaching the deadline? I don't think so. I think we saw it when he went down with the, on the Warriors game. It was a serious injury, and he's going to miss some time with it. And he's probably got a wrist sprain, and we'll see how serious an injury it is. But if that is indeed the case, could make him a little bit more difficult to trade if you're looking for the I'll be honest with you. I, I don't think the Raptors are looking at OG as a trade piece Neither. unless they get... The, Blow, Godfa- the Godfather offer. Right. Unless they get uh, an offer they just can't refuse, as you, as you referred to, the Godfather offer. I think this is him, you know, if you look at the collision that he had, this is him probably being really hurt. And I think the two guys that you really have to focus on are Van Vliet, which I, I think no matter what happens this road trip, I think Van Vliet is a guy they definitely move. Gary Trent is a guy that is 50-50 right now because there's talks of trading him and there's also talks of keeping him. If they can find a way to keep him, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I'd sign Trent, 24 years old, can shoot the ball, been playing excellent, good defender. He fits into the timeline for this team. The biggest issue this Raptors team faces is it doesn't have a a, a two a two team rotation. Like there isn't a first Five teams. Yeah, they don't have depth. They don't have depth. No, they don't have depth. That's Zero. a that's a major problem. Season eleven of Open Gym, presented by Bell, is available now on YouTube. Open Gym, your opportunity to take a look at your Toronto Raptors behind the scenes. And now we're opening Scotia Bank Arena to give you a look behind the scenes of Open Gym. The twelfth caller through now. 416-870-1050 wins exclusive access for two to the Open Gym presented by Bell event on February the 13th, which includes a viewing party, live panel discussion, access to shoot hoops, and take photos on the Raptors' home court, fan engagement stations, food and beverage, and more. 416-870-1050. Give us a ring, and we'll hook you up with those Tickets. We've also got our waste management keyword of the day coming up in the fourth hour of the program. And Sam Monson from Pro Football Focus will talk some NFL with him. We'll get back into the Bo Horvat trade and what it could mean for the Eastern Conference and for the Maple Leafs in particular as our four of first up begins next.